Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are doing an absolutely awesome book, <laughs> The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath, Why Certain Experiences Have Extraordinary Impact. Mate, I reckon Chip and Dan have done it again. So we did their book Switch back in the days of horrible audio, uh, but it was a phenomenal book. It was three simple things. It was the ride of the elephant in the path. And this is just four simple things about how to elevate moments. And so essentially, it's just saying like, you know, there's, we have, how do we, why do we remember some things more than others? And essentially, it's because they had powerful peak moments. Mm, that's right. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's unbelievable that this hasn't been explored somewhere in your education or anywhere in other books. Because mm. if you really look back at your life, it really is a series of your moments. And that's what you remember the most. So mm. this is, the book is essentially saying you don't have to wait for these moments to happen to you. You can actually be the author of them. Yes. And this is what the book's all about. It's you designing um, uh, designing ways to bring more of these huge moments into your life. Yeah, no, 100%. I reckon you hit the nail right on the head there. And that these defining moments, we've all got them. And most people think, oh, it's just down to luck, whether it's you know a person you luckily meet at the bar or you run into the right person who's got the right job opportunity at the right time. We just think it's pure luck. But um, there's other things like in terms of remembering peak moments that we can actually do to create them. Mm. And what you were roughly alluding to there is the uh, the peak moment rule, is it? The peak end rule, yeah. The peak end rule. In that, so he says that, say if you try and remember something, so he talks about the a trip to Disney World. In your memory, like a couple of months later, you're not remembering minute by minute your average happiness mm. in each of those moments. So I'll go through the example he's got here. So say if you go to the kids yeah. to Disney, Disney World at 9 a.m., an example might be you're hurting the kids out of the room and this moment might be a six. At 11 a.m., you might be just finishing a ride and your rating is a 10 if yep. you're asked. Ooh, at yeah. noon, um, you're enjoying expensive food with the kids. Again, it might be a six. And then at 1 p.m., you're waiting for a ride all day. So stinking hot, 45 sweating. minutes, stinking hot, and your rating's a three. So if you look at just all the averages of these moments, you'd, you'd, it would be about a 6.5. Yeah. So that's an okay day. You know, it's, it's doing all right. But psychologists say that if you look back at the day, you'll actually remember it being a nine. Mm. So what you're going to remember is the peak moment, which in this case was was a ten. So 10 it's going to be closer to to the peak rather than that. So yeah. So he said that essentially the the peak end rule. So the peak was a ten, and he he said that at the, say the end you walk out and you get a photo with Mickey Mouse and your kids are really happy. So that's an eight. So you're not taking an average of the whole day. You're taking an average of the peak moment and the end moment. So he's just saying that essentially we have this thing called duration neglect, whereas we forget about all the shitty times where maybe we got a hot dog and it was cold or uh, someone stepped on your kid's foot while you're waiting in line. You forget about all the shitty stuff and all the mediocre stuff. You just remember the peak and you remember the end, uh, mm. and that's sort of the things that stick. Yeah, so that's right. So when we assess our experiences, we don't average our minute-by-minute sensations mm. Rather, we tend to remember the flagship moments, the peaks, and the transitions. Yeah. So that's absolutely huge. So that's that builds into what the book's all about. It's it's just focusing on these peak um, moments and transitions, and it's going to actually bring your whole average up of, of your life, which is absolutely huge. Yeah. No, exactly. And he says that there's so many moments that go underutilized. Um, things like the big things are beginnings, ends, transitions, big milestones that essentially just come and go, and we. Don't really think anything more of them. So chapter, or well, yeah, chapter two of the intro bit, who talks about um, transitions, uh, and he talks about how it could be you know first day at a new job, or it could be going from child to adult, 
where he talks about milestones. It might be a 10th wedding anniversary or turning 50. And he talks about pits as well, about things that just shit ass. Mm, so that's it. So the big part of this is just to, to start thinking in moments. So mm. you got to start spotting moments that are worthy of great investment. Yes. And understand when special moments are needed and, and look for opportunities. So one of the examples that he might mention in the book, and this is actually something that happened to me at one of my old jobs. So at the end of the year, they were recognizing the people who had promotions and mm-hmm. all they did was they did this, this small announcement yeah. in, front of, in front of everyone. So they gave yeah. it a little bit of recognition and that's one of the principles we'll go into. Yeah. But this is probably one of the biggest moments of these guys' careers. You oh, know, they've definitely. been waiting some of five or 10 years for this promotion. Yeah. So it's an opportunity for, say, the higher-ups to look at this moment as a, a real opportunity to invest Maybe they're better off investing in this moment rather than, say, you know, spend tens of thousands of dollars on the Christmas party for yeah. everyone. Yeah, exactly. Better off making this one special. And it's sort of like level zero would be say nothing. Level one's probably send out an email. Level two is probably where they were at in that they announced it in front of everyone. But that's nowhere near like what the potential Mate, that level, could be level doing. Level nine could be you bringing out the rock music, the champagne, and the bring of strippers. hookers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring the... Dwarfs start throwing them against that wall. And mate, that's, that's um, jumping on a, a few of the principles in this book and that's <laughs> it is. Um, removing the script as well. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into all this. So essentially, yeah, thinking in moments yeah. and think of the opportunities that are out there. Um, mate, so some of the, to go over those, some of those things is transition. So he says that uh, things that, like, that can provide a clean slate or a fresh start, whether that is getting a new job or whether it is just a new year. Like he says, people on December 31st want to lose weight, but on January 1st, they're sort of like, well, 2000 and, you know, 2017 was old me, 2018 is a new me, uh, and we start afresh. And that's why he says that these transitions are important. Milestones as well, it's sort of like, even though 49 and 364 days and 50 and one day, or only a couple of days apart, they feel very different in our minds. And pits as well, he says, when there's essentially the opposite of these peaks. The peaks are the really, really good moments, then the pits are the awful moments that are just asking to be filled. Mm. Absolutely phenomenal, man. So as, as you alluded to earlier, so the defining moments are created from elevation, insight, pride, connection, and the purpose is to yes. author these moments. So these are where the moments come from, and you don't have to wait for them. So the first... Um, the first one he delves into deep is moments of elevation and then how to author them into your life. Yeah, so he says moments of elevation are experiences that rise above the everyday. They're times to be savoured. They're the moments that make us feel engaged, joyful, amazed, motivated. They're the peaks. And he says they can come from you know, sometimes social occasions. They can come from a feeling of being on stage or under pressure or they can just come spontaneously. So he says that we need to build the peaks. And, you know, he talks about, say, in a school curriculum, most of the year is pretty much flat. If you had a graph, uh, positive emotions and negative emotions across time, it's pretty flat. A few little bit up, a little bit down, uh, but it's pretty much not memorable, not remarkable. He says if you can build a massive peak in there at Mm. any moment, that's going to be the bit that people remember. Yep, spot on, man. So to build these peaks, you really need three things. The first one is you need to boost sensory appeal. Yep. So for that, it would be like turn up the volume, um, to, so obviously for auditory, music, taste, yep. smell. So if you think of a wedding, you, you remember the, the wedding flowers? Yeah, flowers, good food, good drinks. Mm. Yep. Number two is raise the stakes. And so sort of adding that pressure. So a bit of competition or a game or some kind of performance or a deadline or some kind of public commitment. Mm. And he delves really deep into number three and he yep. says this requires special attention and yep. the most opportunity and that is just breaking the script. And essentially just something that shatters expectations. So it says whatever you do, there's an expectation of how it's going to go, essentially. You go out to dinner, 
someone greets you, they seat you, someone will come over and bring you a glass of water. Three minutes later, they'll ask you for drinks. Five minutes later, they'll ask you for your meal order. Yeah. 15 minutes later, you get your food. Mate, the same fucking monotonous yeah. bullshit. That's what we're <laughs> That's trying to script. avoid. Yeah. He says it's a great trap of life. So one day rolls into next and a year goes by and we still haven't had that conversation we need to have. We haven't seen the northern lights. We mm. walk in flatland yeah. when we could have been on a mountain lights. range. So he says, beware this soul-sucking force of reasonableness. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, he says that we need to try and increase randomness is one thing. He says that like familiar- familiarity and memorability, uh, I think the words are, yeah, <laughs> are often at odds. So he says that you know, things that are familiar aren't memorable, whereas if you do something completely random, uh, that's the memorable stuff. And yeah. he talks about a, a, a cafe chain called Pret-a-Manger uh, in the US where each of the staff members, rather than having you know your 10, every 10th coffee free, rather than that boring old scripted shit, they have random things where the staff have like a budget. Each month you can give people free shit, mm. whether you, they've got a cool tie or there's a hot chick or an old lady who needs a bit of help or whatever. And so they say that people get stuff regularly enough that's like a surprise they get it they're like oh that's awesome but it doesn't become too often that it becomes expected mm-hmm. so it's not like oh, every 10th coffee free i expect that it's so infrequent that it's a nice surprise when they get it yeah you can't have it as, as an expectation exactly so he says most of our vivid memories actually come between 18 and 30 because it's, mm. it's the the moments in our life when we have a lot of firsts so it'd be in yeah a, you know 18th you get your first route you've yeah <laughs> Mate, I don't, oh, in my mate, script as well, first route. Mate, <laughs> first beer. More like 15 if you want. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I was on to it early. He calls it the reminiscence bump because we remember, you know, that's the good old days. That's when the first of everything and that's where most of our memories are formed because they were such uh, new random events that broke the script. Yep. So for... You know, for 17 years, or in your case, 14 years, you don't get a root, and then you get a root, that's memorable. Yeah, and it's an absolute <laughs> waterfall. But um, he says studies show that fear makes time expand out. So one way to live longer is to scare the hell out of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so he says this is an intuitive ex- explanation of why time seems to accelerate as we get older. So as we mm. get older, we still need to keep putting variety in our lives. So he says you need to learn to recognize your own scripts, play with them, poke at them, and push them. Yeah, and then you're going to get some more memorable moments into your life. Yeah, mate. My final bit on elevate, which I think was really important, was he says that the first. So say we go back to like that graph of if you got uh, positive emotions and negative emotions, anything that's really really negative, that's the pits. You need to fill those first. So the first step to improve an experience is to fill the pits. Now the next step is not to fill the potholes. You might think, okay, let's bring all the negatives up to like an even. But he says, forget about that. A few negatives is okay. Forget about the potholes. Just focus on like making the peaks massive. Mm. So first step, fill the pits. Second step, make massive peaks. And so he's saying that don't try to make everything perfect. He even talked about how a company that builds houses, they didn't want to make everything perfect. They want to make two small mistakes and then fix those mistakes in a massive way, which is way more remarkable mm. um, than just being perfect. Mate, one actionable thing I, I just just popped up in my head then as you were saying that. So say if you've got a a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever so you might be inclined to you know treat them maybe every week for a year and that's probably an example of just doing the same monotonous three three becomes expected eventually you're better off doing a you know once a year find them to fucking tie tahiti with cocktail and just and this split. Yeah. They're, they're going to remember the peak of that year and not this monotonous bullshit. Mate, I was actually thinking as you, before this as well. Um, it was either in the game or maybe in Mate or 
Maybe it was in like, I don't know, things. It was in Thicky Fast and Slow, sure. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you take someone on a date, don't buy them um, six wines throughout the night. Buy them two cocktails. One cocktail. One co- <laughs> All right, I reckon two because you get the peak and the, and the, the end, end the peak end rule. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um. Um, so next was insight. So there's a few ways we can get a moment, a big moment of insight in our lives. And one of them, which I really liked, was tripping over the truth. So mm. with this, for some, it might be a moment of disgust, embarrassment, or shame. Mm. Or say if you're in a cult, you might find a specific moment where the bubble bursts. <laughs> <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing here? Cult, just fucking, uh, I know, pyramid you, scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, he says that tripping over the truth uh, is an insight that packs an emotional wallop. When you have a sudden realization, one that you didn't see coming, but one that you know is viscerally right, you've tripped over the truth. It's a defining moment that can in an instant change the way that you see the world. Mm. And there's some really cool story. So the book is just full of stories essentially yeah. to explain it. So we're going to go through one here, which yeah, we was thought was one. pretty funny slash yeah. quite insightful. <laughs> so in 2016... <laughs> This is unbelievable when you really think about it, man. Yeah. Like one billion people lack access to clean water. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And a billion people, most likely the same billion, defecate and they shit outside, also, yeah. you know, near the water. Essentially, they're so just forth. near a village. They just shit wherever, yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was in Delhi once and I just remember just seeing someone just shit. <laughs> and you would have been blown away. Yeah, what are you doing, mate? It was unbelievable. And Anyways, like, the, so one of the, um, you know, some big charity gave people all these like small toilets essentially that were like meant to be clean water you take a shit in them and it flushes it cleanly but basically people like that's just the the people in these villages didn't realize that there was a problem so Mm. you need to first show what the actual problem is before you give the solution yes that's right so they so these organizations sitting in western countries thought they just need more toilets yeah but in reality so this is what the bangladesh guys because i was in bangladesh this is what they were saying yeah. are you sure i should sit and shit in that structure that is even better than my house <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you got this nice polished white clean thing they don't mm. want to take a shit in there yeah so what a facilitator do knowing this moment of insight so he came in and he said you know mind if i ask Around, look around and ask a few yeah. of you guys some questions. He takes a bunch of guys on a bit of a walk around the village, yeah? Yeah, he, he takes around the village, then he stops around and there's some people gathering around <laughs> and he points to, to, someone's, and to someone's shit. Oh, sorry, he actually first asks, where do people shit? Yeah. So he's getting them to think about it and yeah. everyone's kind of a little bit embarrassed <laughs> trying to move on, but then he pointed somewhere, whose is that? It's, <laughs> you know, there's shit. With, it's yellow. <laughs> Why is that shit yellow? <laughs> Why has that shit got fucking corn in it? So he kept, <laughs> <laughs> So he kept walking around and asking this kind of question, but then he, he amped it up big time. So he yeah. pulled out a piece of hair, yeah. right? And this is guy's this guy's got some balls to do this, but he pulls out his hair yeah. and he goes up to this yellow shit and wipes <laughs> it with his hair yeah. and says, what is in my hand to this guy? Yeah. And he went to pass it around and all the Bangladesh dudes <laughs> refuse. And they said, well, why, why are you refusing? Yeah. And then he asked the question, how many legs does a fly have? Yeah. And they said, six so then the, he said, so flies pick up more shit than yep. my hair? Yeah. And where do flies go? Yep. And they said, you know, they were all still embarrassed. And he goes, "Where do you ever see flies in your food? Do you ever see flies in your water? What the yep. fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all these Bangladesh guys had this real moment of insight and disgust yes. themselves. And then this is the thing that drove them out. And th- I think this is one of, one, one of the biggest awards in the world for like the health mm. interventions or something like that. And essentially, they're just saying that you know, one way is to say, here's a whole bunch of toilets. This is what you guys need to do. But his way was saying, look, there's shit everywhere. 
that means that there's, if there's flies around and flies are going on the shit then on your food, that they, you're eating shit. And if there's shit near the water, then you're drinking shit as well. And it wasn't until I had that realization that they discovered themselves that they actually realized there was a problem. So essentially the key is he says that firstly, the, there's clear insight. Secondly, is compressed time. So it doesn't take a year to realize it's very short and the audience discovers the truth for themselves. So if you just tell them the answer, it has very little impact, yeah. but you need to discover it for yourself. Mm. So that's tripping over the truth, man. Yeah. Next one was stretching for insight. And he says that self-insight is a mature understanding of our capabilities and motivations. Mm. And essentially, like you need someone... Uh, he talks about how like a mentor-mentee relationship and the mentor pushes and the mentee stretches. So a push from a mentor means giving someone high standards but also the assurance. So it might be like, hey, I have very high expectations of you but I know that you can reach them. Mm. And what it all essentially is about is exposing yourself to the risk of failure and it's essentially st- stretching yourself to the point where you actually might might fail and yep. at the end of this this is where a lot of learning happens and you you know get this these moments as well yeah he talks about sarah blakely who founded Spanx. i think she was the f- woman fastest woman billionaire um fastest we'll, call, yeah. we'll, say, we'll say that yeah and what when she was growing up so her father at the once a week at the dinner table asked all the kids what did you fail at this week and essentially mm. just made it okay to fail. If you didn't fail at anything, the dad was disappointed because it meant you didn't try anything new, you didn't try anything hard. Um, so you had to go out there and try something and fail at it. Yeah. Awesome stuff, man. So that's moments of insight. Made a quote there. We will never know our reach unless we stretch. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Stretch it. Stretch it out. Um, so next was moments of pride. Yeah. And the first chapter of this, he talks about recognizing others. And this is uh, done very, very, very poorly in most corporates, I'd say. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as you said, there's three principles and that's, and that's the first one. So, man, how easy is it to recognize people's hard work? Yeah. Well, you'd think it would be easy. Um, basically, he's just saying that a few minutes can change someone's life just by you stopping and just acknowledging someone and saying clearly and precisely what they've actually done. So he says like the classic arc of a story and he talks about like a kid. Um, firstly, you go through a bleak period of alienation and rejection. Next, some kind of new teacher or new mentor comes along. They give praise and support and you go through this transformation from ugly duckling to beautiful swan. So he talks about this girl who loved choir. She went to choir. There was this old bitch of a teacher who said she walked around, she listened to everyone singing and she said, you... Your singing just sounds different to everyone else. Whenever we perform, just mouth the words. Don't actually sing because you're like ruining the whole thing. <laughs> and so, so this girl who loved choir then hated it. She's alienated. She's rejected until one day she went on this camp and this one teacher was like, awesome, let's, let's have a sing. She realized she wasn't singing. She realized she was mouthing. So for hours afterwards, they just played piano together. They sung together. Mm. This new teacher gave praise and support and this chick went on to be... Uh, who should we say? Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. No, no, I just made that. Hopefully, it's a similar story to us, man. I remember when we put that survey out. We were copping a lot of shit, a lot of hate. And then, man, we're mid-transformation. Then, um, you know, then we had a few lovers and hopefully they turned into a beautiful swan. But I, think it's, I think it's highly unlikely. Man, the next part was probably one of my the most moving parts of the book for me and I think most actionable actually. So, yeah. And again, it's expressing gratitude. Mm. Um, so it's recognizing others again and, and it can be such a small thing but you can really put a moment in it to change someone's direction in their lives yeah definitely so he he, he puts a task out there and that is to write a letter of gratitude to an mm. individual and deliver it in person yeah and this letter should be concrete in about 300 words mm-hmm. you need to be specific about the other person and how they've affected your life and mention what you're doing now and mention how 
often you remember what she did, he yeah. or she did. Yeah, that's phenomenal. You must have had someone in mind. Did you? Freudian oh, totally, man. I've, I'm, um, I'm definitely going to be writing, yeah. writing letters out just for this because it's, it's one of those things that it, it, it's hard. Yeah. I think it takes balls. Like oh, a lot massive. of the things in here, in this book, it takes a lot of balls to, to create these moments because it is yeah. going against the status quo. And I think this is one is huge. So definitely. it might be really awkward going up to someone to show extreme appreciation. Mm. But you just know it, it could be an absolutely huge moment for you and them and, oh, definitely. and your relationship. Man, there's a few points um, to make note of. Firstly, it has to be spontaneous. So if it's part of, you know, say you're at work and it's like a regular scheduled feedback session, essentially that's useless. So it has to be spontaneous. It has to be specific. So as you say, specifically mention the things the exact things that happened or the exact things that impacted you. Um, and he says that there's a bit of a boomerang effect as well. Obviously, the person receiving it is going to feel really good, but also the person giving it, he says, giving gratitude or like showing gratitude, giving um, recognition to others is probably one of the biggest positive impacts you can have on yourself. Mm. Um, and yeah, mate, the other thing, the final thing for me from that chapter, he said the recognition gap, which I think is phenomenal. They surveyed managers and 80% of the managers said, I often give praise and uh, appreciation to my employees. And then they surveyed employees and they said 20% received <laughs> positive feedback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so essentially the, the, the lack of appreciation is one of the biggest reasons people leave their jobs. And managers think they're doing it, but they're clearly not doing it right. Mm, mate, it definitely is a moment. If I look back on some of my past jobs, some of the more memorable times, even mm. you know the real entry-level jobs, I've had in the past, say at McDonald's, yeah, stuff like that. You just, I do remember just yeah. tiny, tiny moments of. And he says it's not like getting employee of the month because that's bullshit. But someone walks past, stops, and for thirty seconds actually notices something specific and spontaneous that you've done well and yeah. points that out. That's it. So that's the first principle for um, moments of pride. pride. The second principle is multiplying milestones. So we talked about how milestones are big. You know, turning fifty is a big point. Um, just psychologically, but there's ways that we can make more milestones. So giving, say if you have a goal, if you give yourself easy wins, easy milestones along the way and gamifying it, it seems to be much easier to achieve. Mm, that's it. So you can't be ambiguous. And one example he uses is a lot of people say, yeah, I want to learn Spanish. Yeah. And for some people it might be uh, level one is do a Spanish class yeah. and do more Spanish lessons. Yeah. Number two is do Go to more class, Spanish yeah. lessons. <laughs> it's all Spanish lessons. But and then at the end, the goal is like become fluent and root a hot Spanish chick. <laughs> but, there's no, but there's no clear goals in between Mate, that's, that. That should be on the other end. That should be part of a good, good example. Well, no, but the, the issue is like the, their levels are just go to class, go to class, go to class, go to class, root a hot Spanish chick. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't make sense. Whereas the, the good way is... Level one, you order a meal in Spanish, which is, you know... Probably do pretty that simple. after a week at least. Get a burger and water, um, pretty easy. Level two, have a simple conversation in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Level three, glance at a paper and understand the headline. So these mm -hmm. are all specific and achievable. Yeah. Level four, follow the action in a cartoon. Yeah. Level five, read a kindergarten book in Spanish. Yeah. Level six, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fucking romping away. Exactly. In um, Sevilla. <laughs> drinking red wine and <laughs> having, having Spanish... <laughs> Spanish cheese. I don't know. Spanish cheese. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't know what that cheese Sounds is. pretty yeah. specific, yeah. So essentially, like, one way is, like, you've got these clear objectives, these clear goals, and they're intrinsically motivating. Like, they're things that you'd want to do. You'd want to be able to order a meal. You'd want to be able to look at the paper. Whereas going to class for all of the levels is not anything you can tick off that is intrinsically motivating, not anything that you're super proud of. Hmm. Um, whereas, yeah. Yeah. So he talks about how big organizations, they might have their big 
goal of oh, we want to increase profit by 20 billion by the year 2020 and so it's this one big goal and on one hand it's like you know a bit of a goal bit of direction bit of planning it might be good to get the big organization going but really um it sort of does nothing for the individuals you know they're not they're not intrinsically motivated no one is held directly accountable and essentially we're just you know no one's held accountable yeah and the third principle is practicing courage he says that so like some of the things we've talked about like milestones and recognition they're things you can manufacture whereas courage you can't like choose to manufacture a moment where you need courage but essentially what you need to do is just practice wherever possible so that when that moment arises you're ready for it mm. so the bad news that it is is that it's our natural instinct to cave to in to be a little fucking pussy to be a little bitch that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what our natural evolutionary instinct is but the good news is if one person is courageous enough to do something yep. to define the majority then we're emboldened so yeah. you're courage defining, is contagious that's it so your defining moment might be a defining moment for someone else as well yeah yeah and he gives he gives some examples but another way is to have a pre planned or preloaded plans and uh, implementation intentions so if you've got the plan at the start of the day you got your gym bag in the car and you say as soon as i finish work i'm driving straight to the gym that's your preloaded plan so whatever happens along the way if there's a traffic jam if your boss is a dick uh whatever happens during the day your preloaded plan is to go to the gym and that's sort of one way you're saying of practicing courage whereas you could easily just wimp mm, out that's it so the next um way of creating moments is moments of connection or type of moment yeah and so the first um chapter of the connection section is creating shared meaning so it says like if we do something if we've got an individual achievement or show some kind of courageous action we uh, as an individual like i feel made I, i'm made to feel special but if we do something together then we become united so that's a, the difference is there mm, so in a, ju- a juxtaposition of two ways of this it would be highlighting the mission that binds us together so say yep. the company's got this awesome vision or this awesome change they want to bring in the world the whole organization the people will be connected in striving for this goal or if you go the other way the bonding that emerges after people struggle together yeah, and I remember I used to be a mm. I used to study in Turkey. I did a semester there, and a lot of the Turkish people in Istanbul say one of the the best moments of their life was in Istanbul when um I think it was the the Gaudi or the Gauzi Park protests. So where the mm. government was trying to take over the park and turn it into development or something. I'm hoping not butchering <laughs> this this story. But anyway, there was huge protests where there was there were Tomah trucks going into the streets and shooting tear gas at the people. Jesus. But all the people, you'd think this would be one of the most um, painful and hurtful moments of their lives. Mm. But a lot of them say it was one of the most powerful because all the people in the centre community there was phenomenal and they had this great moment, um, Mate, shared a, moment together. That's a good story because the three things, that, you know, creating synchronised moments so they're all in sync, uh, a shared struggle and then a bigger meaning. Yeah, phenomenal. Mate, one, I like that one thing I just want to pull out was the synchronised moments. He says that laughing, most people think, why do you laugh? It's because someone said fun, something funny. But what he said was there was a researcher, who used, he just followed people around as they walked <laughs> and he listened to when they laughed and wrote down the thing immediately before what they said. And most of the time, it's not like what a stand-up comedian would be saying, like a funny joke. Most of the time, it was just stupid, ridiculous shit that on paper makes absolutely no sense. But just because someone else laughed, yeah. then we laughed. So it's sort of that getting synchronized, sharing that moment where, uh, you know, we're saying that, you know, I'm with you, we're on the same page, we're in the same group, we're still together, that sort of shared meaning. Mm, that's it. Funny uh, stuff. Yeah. The other thing, man, you need to be able to deepen ties. Yes. So, and for this, responsiveness is the key. And he talks about how that, you know, if 
relationships are better when we think that the other or feel that the other person is responsive. And responsive means understanding, validation, and caring. And things like say, if you were, uh, I'm trying to think of an example here, which is always an always an error. But say, uh, whenever you're given a generic document, it's depersonalizing. It's like this is the same pamphlet we give to everyone. It's not understanding. It's not validating. It's not caring. It's not responsive to us individually. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't want to be treated like a, another number. Yeah, exactly. So that probably happens in in big organizations where you yeah. just treat it like a number. But when you're treated personally and responsive yeah. to your own personal needs. It's huge. And, and one of the ways you could actually do this is, and he actually puts the challenge out to the people reading the book. He says, sometime in the next week, if you're having a conversation with a friend or family, push further than small talk. Mm. So share something real, like a challenge or a struggle you are facing. So you're making yourself vulnerable and the person you are telling it to will might reciprocate yep. and that'll allow your conversation to go to the, the higher level and perhaps have a fucking sweet moment. Yeah. So in Deepening Ties, he says intimacy escalates with turn taking so as you say one person's got to do something the next person's got to give back and it gradually ramps up from there you can't just jump from surface level conversation to real deep shit mate so he talks about one you know classic work um relationship he says oh oh hey dave you're working hard nah hardly working oh yeah mate i hear that (laughs) oh yeah you know another day another dollar yep Cool, mate. See you later. <laughs> that's like that's the deepest that convo goes. He says that's permanent plateau. It's never oh, getting yeah. deeper than that. Someone's got to take the first step, and then the next person's got to go the next step further and gradually ramp it up. Mm, it's another one of those things where you can't be a little bitch when. Yeah, <laughs> mate. He says relationships don't deepen naturally. In the absence of action, they will stall. Mm, mate, so that's it, man. So yeah. toward the end of the book, he goes into making moments matter. He says that once we realize how important moments are. It's easy to spot opportunities to shape them. So hopefully we've seen that you know there are these important moments all around us, mm. and that by you know adding these four elements, we can really you know make them some serious That's serious it. stuff. So again, so it's elevation, insight, pride, and connection. Yeah. And he has a few stories at the end. So there was a chick called Suresh Mystery, and she was working as an assistant manager at Lloyd Bank in London. She collected orders. So she from the bank, she collected out of orders. So people who owed money mm. to the bank and she was chasing people up with 10,000 pounds. Yep. The manager next to her, same kind of thing. Like but the chasing next level up. Yeah. The next level up was 100,000 pounds. And then she realized the next level up after that was 1 million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, she's like, you know, I'm just this, you know, this one little person. I'm doing this job where I'm, you know, chasing people for money. But eventually, you know, after a couple of years, I might take a step up and do something meaningful. But she realized that the next level above is just an extra zero. The next level above that is just an extra zero. Mm. So it's not inspiring whatsoever. That's it. So in that moment, she had this moment of insight, you know, mm. she's, she knew I didn't want to be here. And she had this moment. But then the next big thing, which, which, really gets covered in the, end of the book the big the big papa yeah she has to take fucking action yeah <laughs> exactly yeah that's mate yeah, there's exactly. another story it was a so a few years ago at this tony robbins event and um there's this guy <laughs> <laughs> there's this guy called adam ash who was, <laughs> was amped up and realized that, you know if you're a fucking banker and you're at the bottom mate you gotta take action <laughs> you don't want to be a boss's boss's boss that's it you gotta so, quit on the spot <laughs> so that's it so these so these aren't just sudden realizations um, but moments about action. So these people are not just receiving a moment. Yeah. You're going to be seizing it. Yes. No, that's fucking phenomenal stuff. So the moment came, you get to act and it'll change your life and now your life's different. It's awesome. Mate, I love it. Mate, I'm a big fan of this. I reckon we didn't even do it that much justice. There's so many stories in here that are awesome to tell. And we're speaking to Dan Heath of Chip and Dan Heath. Uh, so hopefully he'll, he'll be able to give us some sick stories, I reckon. Yeah. Popsicle Hotline. 
Yeah, yeah. Who gives some six stories? Mate, I, was a phenom- I, I really think it's a phenomenal book. It's something that never gets really talked about ever. It's moments. And if you can really just, um, you know, take it's a few a, yeah. things away from it. It's, it's just it's, something like, so, there's so much potential there and so much wasted potential that no one's capitalizing on these potential, these moments. Sing it. If you build it up with that elevation and the inside, yeah. Elevation. And the pride and connection. And make those defining moments that can control our lives and change our trajectory. To change your trajectory. You just need to build the peaks of your life. The peaks of your life, even if you're in shopping, sipping in shit in Bangladesh. It doesn't really matter because it's What is that yellow life. shit on the ground? It's why cold. are you shitting on your food? And why are you letting those flies fly around and put that shit in your water? Just eat clean water. Don't shit on the ground no more. Now you're basically eating shit, you know. You're basically eating shit, you know. You gotta change your ways and make a new life and change everything. It's a little bad. Courage is contagious. If you do a courageous act, people will follow you. You need that exposure therapy, having a preloaded plan or implementation in now attention. Now you might find that a lightning bolt might strike you. You might have a moment of inside, but that doesn't mean shit. If you don't have the fucking balls to act and action, little bitch, don't be action. a little bitch. Don't be a little bitch. You need to act to make your life a little better. <laughs> That connection, connect with other people Your partners will have a better relationship with you If they think that you're responsive That means understanding That means validating And that means caring for other people Don't just be Now gonna take away from this fucking little book To show gratitude to your friends and your family Don't just do this Don't just sit there Reasonableness is a fucking shit now Write a letter to your mom and thank her for all the things that she did for you when you were growing up Show that gratitude has got a boomerang effect it comes back to you Now they get for you Now you're just sitting there Show some appreciation and kids on your life